Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Code 321 podcast. Chris McCarthy, our EMS program manager, is here with us again. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Nick. So today, what I wanted to spend a little time talking about is some of the changes that are happening in National Registry and how we at NETS are adjusting to that. So Chris, if you don't mind, you've been an EMT rep for a while. Do you mind just telling people who maybe don't know a little bit about what the path to EMT certification has looked like for the past 10 years? Yeah, so currently uh, what it looks like is that, um, you know, students complete an EMT course. Uh, They are signed off by their uh, IC that they've passed, and then they move forward uh, through the National Registry testing process to get their NREMT certification. Uh, That test process consists of two different pieces. Uh, The first is a computer-based test where uh, candidates essentially on their own go to a local testing center, a Pearson View Testing Center, and they take uh, a computer exam. And the second part of the exam is the psychomotor exam where students come in and they are tested on six uh, NREMT stations. Uh, There are five known trauma assessment, medical assessment, cardiac arrest management, uh, oxygen tank and NRB, uh, bag valve mass ventilation, uh, and then the last one is a random, either long bone uh, joint or bleeding control and shock. Um, to pass that piece, students have to pass uh, all six stations uh, as well as the computer-based exam. And once they accomplish both of those, they get their NREMT certification. That makes a ton of sense. And I think we know that Um, most students, the biggest complaint I hear is just the anxiety about going through that national registry test. And ironically, you and I have talked about this a lot before, but the way it's designed is to try to allow the student to have an impartial testing experience. But sometimes that environment can be a little bit tense for different folks. You know, the fact that the evaluators aren't allowed to give you any nonverbal feedback, they can't tell you good job, there can't be a lot of support or question or discussion after each station. So the only constant in EMS is change, ironically. And do you want to talk a little bit about some of the changes that are happening at the registry level and some of the things the state is doing to accommodate for that? Yeah, so um, the National Registry has announced that by um, probably a little bit more than a year from now, probably by the summer of 2023, uh, their goal is to uh, eliminate the psychomotor exam portion of the NREMT certification process. Um, And their plan is to go to a kind of a portfolio model. Um, Similar, you know, if if anyone knows a paramedic, they've got who's gone through class, they do a portfolio. Um, And so the plan is to do that um, at all all levels. So uh, the National Registry will determine what the portfolio will look like for AEMT, Um, But at the EMT level, uh, that's actually left in the uh, local state uh, EMS office hands. Um, And but at those levels, eventually, uh, all classes will be doing portfolios. So and sorry, ideally, uh, once that process is underway, um, eventually that psychomotor portion of the NREMT certification will go away, which I think. You know, some people think is great. Some people are not so sure. Um, And uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see as it moves forward. 
Yeah, so just to clarify, you'll always still have to take the cognitive exam. The thing that's changing is that rather than going in and doing your national registry stations in front of a proctor Mm -hmm. at a national registry testing site, now we're going to be collecting these data points in your personal portfolio over the course of your class. That's correct. So I know we've talked about this a little bit before, and, you know, some of the feedback that we've heard from people is that, you know, oh, well, you might not get the best picture of the student because we're taking it during a lab day instead of the testing environment. And I think one of the things that you and I both talked about is the fact that by taking, let's say, 50 data points on a skill versus that one single, you know, mad dash to the finish line in that one testing environment may actually provide you a more statistically accurate Uh, picture because you're taking data points from good days, bad days, when they're tired, when they're hungry, when they're upset, when they're well studied versus not well studied, because it's done over the course of months at a time rather than just that one single snapshot in time. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I the way that it works is exact, you know, kind of what you've already talked about. You know, I think when students traditionally take an EMT course, Um, As instructors, right, our goal is to get them ready to take that test. And we tend to just focus on those skill stations. And, you know, when you break them into parts like that, students can become really good at knowing how to put on a splint or they can do a medical assessment. Um, But, you know, that it's that putting it all together piece that's really important. So with the competencies, exactly. Students are evaluated at all points during the class. So, you know, as they're learning skills, uh, they're practicing them over and over and over again. And it's not to the point that, yep, they can do a medical assessment. It's that medical assessment becomes, you know, it just becomes automatic for them. They don't have to think about it. Uh, it's like, oh, what does the National Registry check sheet say? It just becomes automatic. So by working them to competencies, they don't have to think about it. They just work their way through it. And so, you know, they're being evaluated in class every time they do a medical assessment or every time they practice a skill. In some ways, we're breaking down the skills smaller. So um, airway is a great example of that. You have to show competency in a nasal airway, then an oral, you know, and an oral airway and putting the tape together. And competency is multiple times. And then we kind of put it all together. Um, So uh, it's breaking down the skills. It's more skills. And it's making sure that they're uh, evaluated on a regular basis to make sure they really have the skills. Um, It's it's I I, as someone who was initially skeptical when I heard about this, um, I, you know, seeing how it's playing out, um, I think it's going to be really good because I think it's going to create better providers with better skills. Oh, absolutely. And I know one of the things you and I have talked about extensively is one of the biggest factors in the testing environments and the psychomotor exam that we always struggle with is, you know, the evaluator subjectivity is the fact that, you know, you might have a great trauma assessment with one provider, and then you might have a different provider evaluating you and it might be a complete fail just based on the lens that they'd naturally intrinsically look at you through with their own personal biases. And now that we're collecting all of these different data points, you know, you're collecting, you know, maybe 50 data points on one particular skill from 10 different individuals over the course of three or four months, that's an opportunity for folks to kind of get a more accurate picture rather than just that one, you know, 10 minute shot out of an entire three months worth of training. 
Exactly, exactly. Um, and the other nice thing about the competencies is it's not just about the skill. And so, you know, kind of once students work through the skills, then um, classes then move into these like scenario based competencies. And so we, you know, we're going to, you know, we're running our running our students through scenario after scenario, different scenarios, you know, chest pain, difficulty breathing, abdominal pain, headache, you know, it's, a, it's across the board. Um, and students also have to demonstrate competencies in there. So it's not just that they can go in and do a medical assessment like they would in the traditional NREMT testing model. It's that they go in and work as a team and they think through the whole thing and work together and provide treatment and do everything. Um, and I think that that leads to better thinking. And I think it, it for providers coming out of class, they're going to be better prepared. You know, you know, I got my car today to get on the ambulance tomorrow and be a stronger member of their crew. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's definitely more robust. I know when we've looked at these together, you know, now that instead of just having those five stations, those core fundamental stations that they have to do that you can pretty much memorize and work your way through. Now you have, like you said, it's broken down into nasal, oral, bag valve mask, oxygen tank. And now that gives us the ability to really pinpoint where someone's having difficulties. Whereas if you just do one, you know, giant broad approach to a trauma mm -hmm. assessment, you might realize that that individual has trouble with the jaw thrust, but mm -hmm that's one tiny piece of that entire assessment and they may not make or break that. But when it's a standalone skill in the portfolio, you really have time to dig into that and kind of correct those small errors and keep everybody on track. Very much so. Very much so. I like the old analogy of, you know, if you're one degree off and you catch it early, you're really not in any trouble. But if you're one degree off and you go 10,000 miles, you're in a lot of, a lot of trouble. And I think this gives us that ability to find those small little tweaks and get people right back on center and make sure that we get them where we want them to go rather than, you know, showing up at a registry exam and they're like, oh my goodness, we, we missed this big piece. And now their students are struggling in the field because they only had that one opportunity to test their skills. Right. Which makes a lot of sense. Um, I think in terms of the scientific research behind it too, the world in general is moving towards a data-driven evidence-based society. There's just so much information available to us in real time that this system will do well going forward because we have the ability to manipulate data directly in Excel. You know, one of the things that we're doing at our business is we're collecting information with our iPads. We're able to um, file that away in a data management system, and then that's able to be reproduced as a CSV or an Excel file. And then we can manipulate the student and actually look, we can create, you know, line graphs, we can track performance over time, which is really helpful for the student. Because in any modern learning environment, I think our students are really craving that constant feedback, especially our adult learners. And when you can take someone and say, hey, you were, you were averaging a five out of 10, you know, three or four months ago, and then you have that student that says, I feel like I'm not learning, I'm really struggling, I'm doing whatever, you can sit them down and plot out these data points and show them, hey, you were you're getting a five out of 10, you're scoring 50% on some of these skills, and you're consistently getting 80s and 90s. This is metric showing that you're learning, you know, we can give them that feedback to develop the confidence to do really well. And they really like this feedback. Um, I'm using this uh, model uh, currently with uh, an EMT course. And initially, the students found it very intimidating. 
Um, and it just took us explaining, you know, you know, this is your first day of doing this skill. We don't expect you, um, you know, we don't expect you to get it perfect. You know, we know you're going to make mistakes and that's normal and we're going to help you move along and that's how you're going to learn. Um, and once we got them a little bit past that, we showed them what it looked like so that they could see it. Uh, they kind of relaxed a little bit and now they're just used to us doing it. Um, and they're able to see their progress and we're able to talk about how much progress that they're making. Um, as, and as instructors, it also gives us a better picture of um, how our students are doing. You know, it's hard to, you know, to lay eyes on every student doing every single skill um, in class. Uh, but when you can look at the data and you can see, you can identify who's having problems. Um, and it, 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 it just seems to work really, really uh, nicely. I think, that, I think that EMS is headed in a nice direction with this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things we've done for those data nerds out there is we've really done our best to use things like drop downs to avoid um, anomalies in data. Because when you have an open entry field and people are submitting too much open entries, you tend to get it gets a little messy when you're trying to manipulate it. So by processing everything through drop downs and doing conditional logic and using numerics as much as possible, even if, if that's like a subscript, we're able to actually manipulate that data relatively quickly. Um, and I know mm -hmm. that our students definitely appreciate, you know, if they want some feedback and they email me or you and they say, hey, I'm really interested in this and I can fire back a, you know, data plotted graph of where they're at within 24 hours. That's really rewarding to the student. And I think yeah. being able to show up with that type of image as a business and making sure that our students recognize that we are paying attention to what they're doing, we're tracking how their progress is and not only are we tracking the students' progress, we're tracking our effectiveness of our instruction team. So if we are seeing trends in our data showing that, you know, a vast majority of our students are struggling with the jaw thrust, we can go back to that EMS program manager, the assistant program manager, Kevin Adams, and we can have that discussion about, hey, we're seeing this big trend in this whole class of 55 people that all of them are struggling in this one area. And guess what we can do in the next lab day is we can go tackle that little weakness spot and tighten it up so that our students are really ready for the field. Yeah, I agree. That makes I a agree. lot of sense. Um, so the other question I have is more just theoretical, and I guess it's just a discussion of why do you think the registry is moving towards these portfolios when they've been doing testing since I can remember? Um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I think because uh, they've recognized through some of the models where they've done it at the higher levels uh, that it's uh, producing better providers. Um, and uh, I think a lot of it gets down to making our providers uh, better critical thinkers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, when you, when you, when you, t if you think back to when you took your EMT course, right, um, when you took your class, you know, your whole goal when, by the time you finished where your class was, I just need to make sure someone signs off that I knew how to do a trauma assessment yeah, and how to do a medical assessment and that you did that once and you got that signature and yeah, you were, you were good to go. Um, and you know, that doesn't create a really good provider. And I think when you look at a state like Vermont, especially, you know, maybe not so much as in Chittenden County, but even some places in Chittenden County, right? 
Um, you have a provider that gets an EMT card in the mail today. They go down to their service tonight and they're like, got it, got my card. Um, in some services, um, they because of short staffing, the, it, it, that's like a, hey, great, you're in the chief seat tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's true. And um, that's not always what's best for your patient. Yeah, I agree. I kind of look at it as when I went through the program, the, you know, the national registry exam was the finish line and everything that I was doing was pretty much focused on getting across that finish line and getting the piece of paper. And then, you know, I remember back in my program, I had lab instructors and I had TAs and other people that kind of joked around and said, oh, the registry's, you know, just a hurdle. And then you have to go learn how to be an EMT. And that always right. kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I think I have to wonder if that helped drive me in the direction that I'm at right now with this training company, because that always rubbed me the wrong way is why, why would we train someone just to pass an exam and then joke that everything they just learned needs to be relearned? Because that's such an overwhelming, you know, thing that you have to overcome that it doesn't really set up your student for success and instill confidence in what you're teaching them. No, and I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Uh, the idea that we just were, would say to a student, and I, I'm not an, I'm not an instructor that says this, uh, but a, you know, instructors just say, look, hey, you just need to memorize this sheet, and you just need to do it this way, um, and you'll be fine. Yep. Yeah, and I, I know I, we've had this talk before. Right. Do you want to be? Do you want someone who can just pass a test, or do you want someone that's going to be a good provider? Yep. You know, and know from, you know, the, the folks that I'm teaching, I want them to be good providers. Yeah. I want you know, them to get out on the field and when they're out there, be able to know that they know what they're doing and that they're able to handle it. So um, I think that the competencies are a really, really good step in that direction. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Like it's brand new. It's brand new. Uh, you know, some courses tried it in the fall and um, they, you know, they didn't, necessarily have the best success with it, but there was a lot of learning that came from what they tried. You know, we learned, uh, you know, just hearing where they struggled, we learned a lot from that. And so I think as instructors move this forward, uh, we'll get to a place where, yep, this is how to make it successful with competencies um, and uh, turn out really good providers. Yeah, I think one of the keys to you know, what we've spoken about with that in the past is you have to be able to manipulate the data in real time and you have to be able to be able to access that information uh, quickly to make adjustments so that you can get yourself back on track. Otherwise, if you if you're collecting data over the course of months and then you do an analysis at the end and you find out, you know, you're that one degree off from week one, if you've gone 16 weeks with your one degree off, you're going to be in a really bad spot. Whereas with this type of data system that we're using in our data management, we're able to do constant and real time uh, feedback. So we know exactly where we're at and we can make sure we're on track. And if we start to deviate, we'd make a little correction and get right back where we need to be rather than, you know, waiting too long and then trying to do this big analysis and finding out that we were slightly off. Right. I agree with you. Um, and I think, you know, one of the ways that I like that we're doing it is, um, you know, it's it, anything can be subjective, right? Yeah. Anything subjective. But one of the things that I think we're doing well is when we decided to start doing this with our courses, we said, mm, we're going to have a committee that's going to look at this, right? It's not just me as the instructor. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so, right. So we, you know, we're going to have a committee that's going to take a look and we can go through and we can talk about each student, right? Because if you're going to do competency portfolios, our instructors need to be able to say to students, maybe you're not ready quite yet. Yeah. Doesn't that you're not, that doesn't mean you can't be an EMT. You're just not ready yet. You need some more time. Yeah. And I think one of the things that goes so well when you have those discussions is when it is data driven, because I think mm-hmm. the feedback I've, I've always experienced in my life is when, when I sit across from the table from a student and I tell them that I don't think they're ready, Nick Carson doesn't think you're ready, that becomes very confrontational because now it's like a subjective assessment of their value as a student or their performance as mm-hmm. a student. And I think being able to be on the same side of the table as an organization and say, you know, hey, uh, Jeffrey Smith, you know, I want to talk to you about, you know, how to get you where you need to be with EMS. Here's what our data is showing. Here's what we're looking at. Here's the areas that we want to improve on together. This, you know, our documentation is showing that you're struggling with jaw thrust, nasal and oral airways. You're doing really great in these other categories. Look at how well you're scoring. And these categories appear to be a little low. Does that make sense to you? And allow them to actually look and consume that data on their own. And then they can become part of the solution to say, yes, I see what you're seeing. And yes, I want to be part of the solution. And now we're a team to address those areas, rather than me just sitting there saying, I don't think you're doing well on jaw thrust. Now we can show them that and let them buy in and understand the why behind what we're doing. And now everybody's on the same page and they actually feel empowered as a student and comforted that we caught that and are progressing them rather than, you know, just saying, Hey, I don't think you're ready. Exactly. Yeah. And I dealt with that a lot as a student where an individual, I felt like the individual was very subjective and whether they knew what they were doing or not, I think anytime we can incorporate data, more data is better data. And anytime we can incorporate that and let the student see where we're making our decisions based off of, see where it's coming from. I think that's always going to be more, you know, more altruistic than just subjectively telling students what we think. Yes, you're absolutely. So I always think of the portfolio, a way I always draw the analogy is it's like a football playbook rather than the registry, which is just crossing the finish line. The football playbook is a series of plays that we go over, over and over and over again. And that way, everybody knows them, they're learned, and you can pull them out in the in the you know blink of an eye. And if you're in the street, and you have someone that's having trouble breathing, you have that list of playbook, you know, that you can open up and you can pick from. Whereas the National Registry traditionally, as it sits, pretty much just teaches you how to do the trauma assessment, it doesn't necessarily, you know, break down every single individual skill and repeat it, it's just looking to see if you can verbalize that you know, what needs to happen in what order. And now we're actually breaking it down into these you know, these skills that can be applied and mixed and matched because you might need yeah. a jaw thrust and then an NRB right away. And as a registry sits, that's not really the way it's set up. It's not set up to do a jaw thrust and then put an NRB on. It's set up to do oxygen tank, NRB, you take a break, and then you come back and do trauma assessment. They're separated. But now breaking those skills down, you know, you have your playbook and you can mix and match according to the call, which is the nature of EMS. I think that's the best way I've heard it described. I love that. Perfect. So the last thing I want to touch on is for students who are entering this environment, based on what you've seen so far, and as we enter into this next class that's starting um, just in May here, what are some tips for success that you think uh, are working pretty well for the students that are succeeding in this environment? Uh, You know, one of the things that um, I told um, my current class, because this is the first time uh, we have a class using these, um, is that um, 
they're going to get out of it what they put into it. And so for them to be successful, that they need to be engaged in the learning. Um, because, you know, sometimes you have students that are eager to jump in and do skills. And then sometimes you have students who um, maybe they feel uncomfortable, maybe they feel nervous, uh, maybe they're afraid of making a mistake in front of other students who will step back, who'll say, mm, I think I just want to watch right now. And we, you know, explain to them that everybody's going to make mistakes. Um, we're all learning together and it's normal, you know, to, to make mistakes as you go along because that's how you learn. And that, you know, we're here as a team to help support them and teach them and help them and get them to, you know, the finish line of completing all their competencies. Um, but I explain to them that if they're not engaged, then, then they're not going to be as successful. And I think that's the biggest uh, piece of advice I can give is students have to be willing to, you know, step in every single time and practice their skills. Um, and as long as they do that, they're going to be absolutely fine because, you know, we're taking some of these skills at such an easy level. Like when you think our very first lab where we use competencies, you know, we were focusing on airway. So your competency sheet is you need to show us how to put in an oral airway or you need to show us how to put in a nasal airway. They weren't these wasn't that whole BVM station as we know it at the NREMT level. Right. We built to that. They're on that now. But initially it was just those small steps. Um, and, you know, the class I have now really, really engaged and they're moving along and making really good progress. But they have to be engaged um, because it, it can become you know, an instructor can only try and pull a student in so much and try and get them to come up and do the skill. That's the most important piece of advice we gave them. And we told them that right up front, that they had to participate. Um, and I think, you know, we identify sometimes students aren't comfortable with that. And we've had some discussions with students of what, you know, what's what's it for you? How are you feeling that, you, you know, you 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 don't feel comfortable doing this skill. Maybe it's because it's in front of others. Um, and we've worked students through it. Um, and uh, so far, it seems to be going very, very well. But students have to put in the work, too. Which is an excellent point. And I think an interesting piece that I've noticed just in my time teaching is the the interesting oxymoron of psychology behind the fact that a lot of the times the students who are not participating, it's because they don't want to look different. They don't want to be the student that can't do it or the, you know, everyone else is, is doing something and, and now they're failing at it in front of other people. It's all about the fear of being different or being um, singled out. And then right. as the labs progress, they're going to get to a point where they're the only one not participating. And then by the nature of not wanting to be singled out or looking different, they actually become different and singled out because they're the only one not participating. So sometimes we always, you know, I've had that discussion with students about, listen, I can understand that, you know, you don't want to be singled out or look different, but everyone else in the room is doing this, you know, and, right. and so to be part of this team, like you failing next to your other students is what bonds you as a class. That's what makes you feel better. And we deal with this all the time with our AEMT students when they're starting IVs, people will do it really well and other people will be struggling and they'll feel 
a little alienated and I'll say, hey, this is going to be a really powerful bonding experience when you guys are struggling together and then when you overcome it as a group. But if you don't participate, you don't get to buy into that feeling of overcoming it as a group and as a team of students working together. That's very true. The night, and you know, one of the nice things about competencies that I didn't mention is, um, you know, when you think about students performing in front of one of their instructors, um, they, you know, that makes them nervous. I'm sure you face this when, you know, you've been evaluating students in class. I certainly get this a lot where, oh, I have to do this in front of you. I don't feel like I'm ready to do that yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll hope my answer is always, hey, I'm the perfect person to do it in front of, right? Because if you're not getting it right, I'm, you know, I can help you through it and we can work on it together. Um, but it, that can be very intimidating for some students. And I've seen students in class, right? Students come from different places and different experiences. So I've seen, you know, that student that doesn't want to perform in front of me as the instructor who always wants to watch when they're in my group. But if they're working with someone else, even if it's a peer, they're willing to do it. They're willing to go out on the limb and, uh, and, and make a try or do it again and again in front of their peers because I think it's less intimidating. And one of the nice things about competencies, uh, especially with the model that Vermont is putting together, is that, yes, you have to have competencies X number of times per skill. So we broke the states broken down the skills and they want to see competency X number of times. Um, and they don't all have to be with an instructor. Yeah. That so makes a it allows, sense. it allows for peer evaluation as well. Certainly in the first couple of weeks of class, you're not doing peer evaluation because your other peers don't know it yet either. But once you get to that point, um, it allows peers to evaluate peers as well. Oh, yeah. So I need five competencies in something, but maybe only two or three of them have to be in front of my course instructors and the other ones could be with my peers. Oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And for those students that are listening, if you're ever wondering, you know, what's going on in our head, it's a constant uh, it's a constant feedback loop of how to match our instruction team to the individuals in the classroom. And I know like Chris, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, if we see a student that's struggling or maybe isn't meshing very well with the group, it's there's nothing at all stopping us from from at the next break, shaking up the groups and moving personalities around and adding and subtracting instructors and changing environments and making bigger rooms and smaller rooms and changing skills. And we're constantly adjusting um, the programs to match what our students are doing until we find that beautiful homeostasis where everybody's learning. Um, and we as instructors owe it to our students to consistently do that every time we work with them. Um, and I think that's something that we really pay attention to that, you know, some programs don't, some programs are pretty much, this is what you're getting, you know, during this time period, and then you're going to either pass or fail. And then we're going to move on to the next unit, because that's what's on the schedule. And here, I think we pride ourselves on the flexibility of, you know, we have instructors that are soft spoken, we have instructors that are loud spoken, we have tall people, short people, people from rural environments, people from, you know, more, uh, urban environments, we have, 
you know, critical care flight paramedics, we have farmers, we have um, all kinds of different people from all different walks of life. And I know I personally never take it personally if someone doesn't connect with me. If a student's not very, you know, cerebral and what I'm saying doesn't make sense and, and they don't really want to learn it that way, you know, we have other folks who can bring in that can explain it in a different style because they have different cultural backgrounds. And we as an organization pride ourselves on constantly paying attention to that feedback so that we find that match and our students can be successful because we're only successful if our students are. Otherwise, we'd have no programs. That is that is very, very true. Um, and we you're right, we do talk, we do do that in the classroom. Um, we definitely have some times where, you know, we've been talking about the students that don't want to perform. And, you know, certainly when as you get a little bit further along in the class and students can work with each other, um, it has allowed us in many experiences to take that those shyer students or maybe a student who's struggling struggling aside and give them that one-on-one -on -one that they, that they really like um so yeah absolutely and i think one of the things just to touch on before i wrap up here is um obviously you have kevin adams as your assistant ems program manager who's working with you now um, and one of the things that we kind of put under his wheelhouse is making sure that our students don't feel left behind. So if anybody's listening and whether you're in a NATS program or not, if you're struggling with natural registry or you're struggling with EMS programs, or you're getting ready for a big exam and you're having difficulty with us, reach out. You know, you can always get a hold of me. My contact information is on the website and we'll put you in touch with Kevin Adams. He is specifically trained and available to help our students be successful on these tests and get you where you want to go in EMS. Um, so don't be afraid to reach out. We're happy to connect you with those people. Um, and we've had a lot of folks over the past year, um, especially during COVID, that have reached out and are looking for that kind of tutoring. Uh, maybe they failed their registry exam once or twice. Maybe they're in their remediation phase um, and they just need a little bit of tweak. We want to find that one degree and correct it so that we end up um, right where we want to be. So if you're interested in that, feel free to reach out. We can set you up um, and make sure that that's available to you. Uh, Chris, you have a course coming up. Um, we have some open slots still available for that. It's going to be yep. summer of 22. You want to touch anything else on that? Nope. I think um, it starts, uh, I think the for, for first full week, second week of May, May 10th is when it starts. Uh, it's going to be a, should be a really great class. Uh, we're going to use the competency portfolio model. Um, and we've got a good team of instructors lined up. Uh, classes are weekly, but via Zoom, uh, which allows folks to stay comfortable, sit outside while you're attending class. Um, and take it in your own environment. Um, you know, Kevin uh, Adams actually is going to be doing some of the lectures and he's uh, really, really engaged and the students just love him. Um, and then we'll be doing labs on Saturdays. I always look forward to the summertime because we can get outside with our labs. We don't have to be stuck inside, which is, allows us to do some more creative things. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really fun class. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are kind of on the fence about taking an EMT program and you have any time at all, I highly recommend taking your EMT in the summer. Um, there's just something a little bit special about it. I took my AEMT in the summer. And, you know, like Chris said, you can you can get outside during the labs, you get to meet people, and you guys can go on hikes together, you meet a lot of new friends in these programs, you know, people with shared interests, um, and having the ability to go out and do stuff with them, you know, both 
in and out of class is so critical. So if you're interested in taking it, um, there's still some slots available. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, um, but it's right on our website, www.netsvt.com. That stands for Northeast Emergency Training Solutions, Vermont.com. Um, you can register right on there. Uh, if you have any questions at all, you can reach out to Chris or myself. We'd be happy to connect you with some resources. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Nick.